Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Welcome to Crossroads. My name is Dion, and so um, thanks for joining us. If I have not yet had a chance to meet you, I look forward to doing that. I'm usually hanging out at the back. You can come say hi. You know, uh, the song that we just listened to was talking about the love of God that surrounds us. You know, sometimes I think it's hard for us to understand how much God's love surrounds us all the time. God does love us. He loves every single person on the face of this planet and wants every single person on the face of this planet to come to him and to know him um, and to love him. And so he's, he's so patient with us and he wants to be merciful to us. And so, you know, when we accept that, when we choose to follow him and we understand that we now know that we have the gift of passing that on to other people. Now, if you wouldn't mind, would you please join me in prayer? Holy Father, we thank you so much for the day. Thank you for letting us be here where it is cool. And uh, Lord, we know that there's a lot of people out that are struggling in this heat. So we do ask for safety, for shelter, um, some protection from that. But Lord, it's also just a reminder of, of the fact that you are in absolute control. Um, I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but you are, and we thank you so much that you do love us and that your desire is to know us um, and to bring us into your family. And so thank you for, for today's message, um, that you will speak powerfully through Bill, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Sir? About power, Did I do sir. that okay? <laughs> that was a Navy salute. Remind me to talk to you about how to I do know, a, a I Marine need practice. I need too. practice. We'll take a little work. Uh, good morning again. My name is Bill. Thanks for being here. Uh, we are we, we're in an exciting series. I consider it exciting because it is, certainly is confrontive. Uh, we're calling it Guilty by Association. That title comes from something we did as a church. Uh, some time ago, we wondered what this next series would be about. We said, well, let's ask people. So at one point, about a month and a half ago, we gave a handout that was in every brochure that when you picked it up and you were able to ask questions, what should the church address? What are the issues that the church should address today? So we, we gave it out to Crossroads. We got some feedback on that, but then we put it on our website. And so uh, it got a Facebook post, it went out, uh, got some feedback from that, but then someone took it and put it on an atheist uh, website. And boy, did we get input. It was scathing, some of the things that we received. So this series reflects the input that we got. Let's look at the series that's coming up. Uh, first, this last week we did theology. Brad took us through a walk of how a Christian's life develops and, and how we follow and seek Christ. There's times it's scary. There's times it's beautiful. There's a lot of times we just don't understand because God's ways are inscrutable and unknowable, but we trust the God that's there. The end of this talk on theology, we wanted it first so that we, we put theology as a study of God, what God says. So we, we put that out there right at the beginning. Um, his inspired writings. This week, we're doing sexual scandal. And this was, if you won't be surprised, was one of the main inputs that we got from the community and from the website. What is the church doing about this? There's a scandal in the church. Uh, we'll talk about next week is haters. Then we're going to do a history of the church and problems in the culture. We'll do church and state. That will be exciting in 2023. 
And then there's a grab bag. A grab bag is that there's so many things that people made points, but it wasn't the whole message. So we're going to deal with some specific questions and answer them as we go. That's, that's the series that's coming up. But one of the things that we learned from getting input from y'all, my text is so on, uh, from Southern California, I guess, uh, y'all, uh, the community sees us in a situation where it looks like we're taking the name of the Lord in vain. We call ourselves Christians, and the church, the public is saying, looking at the church saying, well, you don't act like it. Some of the specific comments were comparing church activity behavior today and Jesus Christ. And so this idea of not taking the Lord's name in vain when we call ourselves a Christian, what is the expectation? Uh, what we wanted to do is to come back and answer those questions to talk about what God tells us to do and our response to that. Again, last week, Brad's journey brought us to a place of, as a Christian walk, those who have walked for a while will understand that the Christian walk is challenging. There, there, are, there are times of, of pain, there's times of joy, but at the end of the journey, when, we, when we, he, he compared it to going up Mount Whitney, when he, you get to the peak and you, God reveals himself there's this aha moment of majesty that, that God offers to each of us. Today, we're actually going to have another aha moment of God's sex, how he guides and directs sexual expression inside of the church. So that was Brad last week. Uh, we're talking about how we take that and apply it to areas of our lives. Now, sexual scandal, that's interesting. You see, the culture sees that inside the church, there's a sexual scandal taking place inside of our church. Doesn't take much to be able to look around our culture today. Uh, if we diligently look and understand the news that's there, there's a, there's a lot of pastors that are failing. There's a lot of things that are in the news. Uh, pedophiles inside of churches, generational pedophiles that get covered up and the, the offenders get moved from church to church. Uh, three examples just this week coming from Christian Post uh, where the world looks at it and reads this. A youth pastor of a mega church of 7,000 people uh, was fired for sexting. Now, for those of you who don't know what sexting is, uh, if you're a teenager, you know it's where you transmit sexual pictures of yourself or other people uh, on, on, the, uh, on your phone and then it goes back and forth. Uh, so this pastor was fired because of doing that. Uh, another megachurch pastor uh, was fired uh, after two years having an affair with a member of the church. Two years. Uh, a former youth pastor was arrested and, and charged for filming young ladies uh, one in the bathroom and number two at weddings uh, when the brides and the bridesmaids were changing their clothes. He was filming that. He was, he was fired for that, and, and well, it should be. Uh, we've also seen a lot of Me Too, the uh, sexual harassment website. Uh, many pastors fell during that. So the reason for this message is to highlight some of the inputs we got. And these are some of the people, and I, I, I looked at these and said, they got points. Uh, the historic and current sexual abuse in the churches, no doubt. Sexual sins of pastors, we read about high visibility. It's just, you can go right on down that. The one that breaks my heart. I was a victim of 
severe child abuse in the church. Uh, said that they just they, they didn't deal with it. This is this is this is heartbreaking stuff for a follower of Christ, particularly uh, someone who's just as committed to the local church that that this would be the result. People would see this inside of the church. Uh, we, I wanted to divide our input, though. Uh, basically, these were inputs that, that we could look at that and say, okay, we need to make sure we know what we're doing. We need to represent Christ correctly in this area. These guys, I've, I call them helpers. Uh, there's another group, though. Uh, they're called haters. There's a group of people that absolutely use the word hate. There's 14 of the posts that came back that talked about how people hate the church, hate God because of the actions of Christians like you and I. Uh, not like you and I, of people in the church. Uh, and, and the one on the top is, 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 a, is something I want to talk about during this whole time. Someone come up, come up and said, I absolutely hate the whole idea or defense that those aren't real Christian mentalities. It just shows that there's no accountability. And the fact is we're going to be talking about how Christians act and how non-Christians act. And so this guilty by association, we're saying we're guilty by association, uh, trying and striving to hold up a standard. So we're going to play that card. But you can go each one of these. The last one, I was a severe, I was a victim of severe child abuse in the church. And they said it was God's will. I hate God now. Those are strong words. Lives changed, impact, the name of Jesus Christ uh, really disgraced and, and drug true uh, disgrace in front of other people. So we're, we're talking about uh, helpers this week, and then we're going to do haters next week. That's where we're going to be, but I, I wanted to give uh, just a little bit of input right away, and I want to give God's opinion. Always nice to do that. And uh, so let's, let's look at God's theology for sexual expression inside of the church and for followers of Christ. Very clear. Do not commit adultery. Adultery itself is sexual contact outside the uh, relationship, a marriage covenant uh, between a man and a woman. Don't commit adultery. Uh, God says, and he, this is the Old Testament Exodus 20, New Testament, Jesus does not cancel or do that. He raises the bar. I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So now it moves from external activities to the heart and the mind in a person. Uh, this, as obedient, don't be conformed uh, to the passions of your former ignorance. Be holy. The church is not called to be okay, not to be just lukewarm, not to just get by. We're called to be holy inside of our lives, a holiness without fault uh, in the way that we interact with, with God and the world and the people around us. And this, this is a strong verse. Just highlight this one. Uh, don't be deceived. Neither the, the sexually immoral, talked about above, or, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Very straightforward. This is the line. If you cross it, you will not enter the kingdom of God. I don't know if you catch the drift as we go through those. 
God is not pleased with sexual scandal inside of the church. He makes the commandments and the directions absolutely clear. Scandal, a person or circumstances whose conduct, conduct offends propriety or morality. Discredit along that uh, unseeming contact uh, with their conduct with other people. That's what we've been reading in the headlines recently. That's out there. Now, uh, just for what this is worth, uh, it hasn't ended. And oh, by the way, uh, it happens in Ridgecrest. I know, shock, but absolutely. Let me give you one example, which was one of the first ones that I encountered as, a, as basically a new Christian. I was going to a church here in town, Calvary Chapel, and uh, they, I had children and they, the people were coming in for parenting counseling and my kids behaved. It was that day when they did. And they said, okay, Bill, you know how to, you've been parenting for a while, why don't you counsel? So I started studying on how to counsel. And, but anyway, so I'm meeting with, in one of, early on in this process, a lady comes in and she says, uh, my husband is having an affair with someone in the church. And so, uh, and I talked to the pastor and the pastor said, well, I, I understand the pain and everything else, you know, just sit on the opposite side of the church. From them. I, I knew there was some mistake. This lady was misrepresenting the facts. Being bold and foolish, not really foolish, I picked the phone up. She's sitting there. I call that church and say, can I talk to the pastor? And pastor comes on the line and I kind of explain. I already had her permission to say, I'm talking to so-and-so. And she's saying that her husband is having an affair inside of the church, and the church isn't taking action. And his response was, well, yes, she's right. That is happening, and, and, but they're really nice, good people. Are you kidding me? That was my introduction to that. And oh, by the way, uh, those kind of things happen all the time. If something gets into it, they can stay in the church, or worse yet, I think in my opinion, they can leave the church and go to another church and be fully welcomed there. Uh, that was just one of my examples that was there. Uh, so many times you look at this, I got a call from a young lady here in Crossroads, excuse me, not in Crossroads, two other churches in town of which I knew about one I had attended, and she is now a woman in her early 40s, and she was saying, I'm moving out of town, but I wanted you to know, and she lists the sexual abuse that she had in two churches here in town. And she says, I was able to successfully work through that. God has healed my heart. If you ever have someone that needs help, give them my phone number. This is in Ridgecrest. And, and again, obviously, uh, Crossroads is not exempt from that. We have had uh, sexual incidents here at the church, uh, not you know, not so much in the church. We have one incident in the church, but people who go to Crossroads regularly uh, were actually brought up before charges uh, for being sexually active with youth. This is challenging. You know, this is a this is thing that we need to look at. The big plague, and I mean the big plague, that uh, many of us can overlook is is the problem of pornography inside of our culture today. 77% uh, of the people in our culture look at pornography at least monthly. Uh, Christian men between 18 and 30 
uh, are particularly striking in their participation in that. Also at 77%, uh, 36% view pornography on a daily basis. The addiction of pornography is real. And so many times inside of a marriage counseling situation, that's a major issue uh, between the mates that are there. So it's real. It's something that's taking place inside the church. It's a temptation, by the way, that's put in front of all of us. Uh, Make no mistake, uh, the temptations are real. But the thing is, we've all sinned. No one likes to hear that. But that's what the Bible says. I, I can't see, you know, we all sin and fall short. There's an, I don't believe there's a woman, that, a man that hasn't looked at a woman or a woman at a man it, in different ways, but a sexual thought can come in. A relationship builds up. Uh, so often what I hear, surprisingly, is that in work situations, uh, a man and a woman start talking to each other, sharing their life, talking about how it's going, and one starts to share how bad their marriage is going. And the other one becomes the sympathetic ear to listen to him. Over a period of time, an emotional bond builds between them and often leads to an emotional affair, if not a physical affair down the road. Uh, this ongoing uh, activities inside of, our, inside of our culture recognize that it can be uh, adulterous relationship, it can be emotional, it can be texting. Texting, oh my goodness, the people that bring their, their, their mate's phone in as witnesses against their mate of the things that are said back and forth inside of this. And again, this just thinking thoughts, all of that. Uh, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands uh, take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken anyone here. That's not common to all of us. This is, this, is a, this is an ocean we all swim in one degree or another. Our success or failure depends on basically what we're going to be talking about today. If we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. If we say we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. If we confess, God forgives. But if, but if we turn around and we say we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar. So this is an issue that we want to bring up that everyone is in. The sad part is that I certainly was foolish and uh, was a disgrace to, uh, to everything that was going on. I thought all these years uh, back before I was a Christian, up to 33 years old, I was totally deceived. I thought I was a Christian. I hurt so many people. I was so, if you will, look back out of control. And, and everything, the relationship and everything else was how you bring about sin. How do you get involved in sin? Uh, the bad part of that is, again, I thought I was a Christian. I used to play the Christian card uh, with them to show how righteous I was. I was lying, sadly. But sadly, I, I'm not alone. Uh, the statements today that we've talked about uh, from the different things that uh, the input from the outside is, is true. Recent study uh, that came out, the Barna said, says that pastors, uh, 57% of pastors uh, struggle, if you will, with pornography. 64% of youth pastors struggle with pornography inside of their church. These are in the church. Uh, this, is, this is struggling. This is a problem. Uh, and other sexual sins inside, whether it's same-sex marriage or dating uh, gay or, or lesbians to 
office positions, the majority of major Christian denominations endorse same-sex marriages and homosexuality, even though the Bible is very clear about God's intent in that. I went out to dinner Friday night with my wife. It was hot. Their air conditioners were working. Uh, so we went there for dinner, and I'm standing in Allie's lobby, and a, and a guy comes up to me that I've probably known 50 years, 40 years, when he first got here. Uh, we went to the chapel together at the men's breakfast out there. And he came up and said, yo, how you doing, Bill? And so I'm, he's talking to me. He's got someone with him. And he tell, introduces me to this guy. And he says, this guy's a pastor, a Methodist pastor. The guy talking to me was a Methodist pastor. And uh, they introduced me as, as a pastor, which you know how much I'm thrilled with that happens. Uh, do, but I'll just say that again. Why it's difficult, I, I encourage people not to call me Pastor Bill or to introduce me that way. Because of the hate of the public to Christianity. My goal is to get a relationship with someone and then let them find out that I'm not really a weird dude. Don't introduce me as a weird dude. Uh, and you just put a target on me, and I got two strikes before I start talking. Uh, so anyway, he introduces me as a pastor, two strikes. Ah, they're pastors. I'm okay. Both those pastors, mem members of the Methodist Church, you know what? They both came to me and said, just immediately, as soon as they said I was a pastor, he says, I'm not on that side. What side are they talking about? This major denomination, the Methodist denomination in our country, is splitting in half. Half will ordain and marry those in same-sex marriages. The other half won't. And this is just rampant throughout our culture right now, sexual sins. So it's there. Okay, let's give the hope for sinners in Christ Jesus. And it's it is real hope. Uh, the issues that the church should address. This we already read, this first verse. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, or rebels, all those guys. They are not going to heaven. Listen to what Paul says to that church. Because it applies to me. And it applies to many here. Such were some of you. But, but you have been washed, you have been sanctified, made holy, and you've been justified just as if you've never sinned, sinned in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The transforming power of the church and the love of Jesus Christ changes lives. It, that's, what we're, that's our job. That's why we're here. If we confess, he forgives. The example that one of, I think, most people's favorite is that a woman caught in adultery was drugged before Jesus one morning and test, they were testing Jesus. They said, this woman was caught in adultery. You know, it's miraculous. The guy wasn't there. She must have been alone. Yeah, the men was not condemned at all. They drugged the woman and said, we're going to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? And I, we love the response. Those who have not sinned throw the first stone. Everyone left. But Jesus' response was classic and important for all of us to hear. He said, I don't condemn you either, he tells this lady. But go and sin no more. A new life, a new hope. And this is what he offers all of us in, in Christ Jesus, is this hope of transformation, uh, freedom from the control of sin. The hope, and by the way, uh, 
of sexual expression in, in God's ways is being stamped out in 2023. There is no doubt that the culture, the, the videos, the movies, the internet, everything that we're seeing is trying to stamp out biblical Christianity. If our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this world. The God of this world is Satan. There's two kingdoms down here. This world, by the way, uh, Satan is the God of this world. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers. False Christs, false prophets will arise, perform signs, lead many astray. For the time is coming in 2023 when people will not endure sound doctrine. Having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Oh, by the way, that's today. The message that we're giving is given in very few churches. Thank you for being here. Uh, Thea... There's a, there's a book that I read, and they talked about all the different uh, Jesuses. There's a theology like Jesus who says the, the, the whole thrust is that Jesus never really said what was right and wrong. He just let people do what they want. He was more relational. As long as you had a relationship with him, you're okay, a friendship. Uh, that we can find in our culture today. Uh, but what is God's plan? And this is where I think it gets to be incredibly fun. It's very simple. A man, therefore a man, shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. The mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is simple. As as Brad talked about last week, this journey to Christ, when we finally come into a position of understanding and seeing a glimpse of God, we stand in awe of the beauty of his plan and who he is and his, his magnificence. The first song that we sang was just the glory of God and everything that's there. And this is, if we look very carefully, this mystery that's profound is a comparison of Christ and his church, the deep intimacy, trust, love, support of Christ and his church and a man and a woman in marriage. This is, this is when you travel through, as we're going to attempt to do in a minute, through God's plan for marriage, you come to this glorious conclusion that it is the way that is, everyone should want to go. He says, the plans that I have for you are for welfare. Now, we're not going to understand everything about God's plan. We're not going to understand, I don't understand what's going on in our culture today, but God's ways are the right ways. We don't completely understand them, uh, but this is, this is what works. Human expression uh, in, in this particular area is very clear. God created men and women differently by design. I don't know. I don't know stupid to even say that. I think most of you know men and women are different. Okay? You're going you're gonna to go with me on that? Uh, amen, I heard. Uh, or a woman. The... Uh, Sorry. Uh, that's the case. You know, we're, we're made different. Different personalities, different physical structures. Uh, everything about us, the way we think, the way we organize, the way we parent, the functions we have inside of it, we're, we're wired differently through DNA, through uh, cultural uh, expectations inside of us. We're very different from one another. And this is what God said at the beginning. 
he, he brought them to you. It's not good for man to be alone. Women should say amen. We can't find anything. Uh, he needed a helper. And this is what a marriage does. It brings two people together to help each other. Different personalities, different, different sexes, different sexual uh, expressions of... Uh, Typically, in typically, and I always have to correct this. Typically, in a marriage, the the man is more visual; the more is more physically oriented towards sexual affairs. Women are more relational, communication and talking and connecting on that level. Uh, very different in the way that they would approach this. But it's a balance. If you have one without the other, it's out of balance. If you just have talk, no physical, that's not what God planned. If you have all physical and no talk, well, if you, if you don't have talk, you're not having the first, I promise you, if you're married. Uh, sorry. Uh, but the difference makes the complete inside of this. This is a loving, heavenly Father in all of his wisdom, establishing clear expression for our sexual desires. Created different, put together to be different. And now again, I, I need to emphasize something in a Christian marriage. What happens in a Christian marriage, when two Christians come together, they're transformed people. And we can expect that to be taking place, that they're serving each other's needs, meeting their, each other's desires, planning and communicating together. You know, this unselfish love of Jesus Christ is the standard for a Christian marriage. It's laid out clearly uh, in Philippians, where, where it turns around and says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but with humility of mind. And these verses are just so powerful. I'll often, in a, in a counseling situation, uh, pull this out, and I'll ask the husband to read it. And do nothing for selfish ambition. Humility count others is more significant than yourselves. Don't look out for your own personal interest, but look out for the interest of others. You know, in a, uh, Paul, in this great writing on marriage and the relationship, he says in, in 1 Corinthians 7, a woman does not have control over her body. A man doesn't have control over their. They give it to their mate. This is this unselfish support of one another in Christ Jesus. Who was God and gives the example of humility and unselfishness by dying on the cross for us. This comes and, and, and challenges each person in a marriage. But be clear, we in our culture in the United States today use the word love most often incorrectly. I, I love pizza. I love my little dog who's spoiled rotten. And I love my wife. And I love Jesus Christ. Same word, totally different meanings. The, the difference between godly love and secular love. Uh, I put together this biblical love and unbiblical love. Biblical love between a man and a woman, and actually in life, but particularly between a man and a woman, biblical love is holy. Unbiblical love is lust. Today, we use the word Love, when really what we are thinking in our mind and associating it, it's lust. Lust means I'm meeting my own pleasures. Lust, I'm looking out for myself. Uh, biblical love is unselfish. Uh, unbiblical love is selfish. One is humble and submissive. The other is prideful and controlling, protecting others, exploiting 
others. Tells the truth, tells lies. Limitless, limited until the needs are met. Unmerited, you got to earn my love. Sacrificial to others, asking others to be sacrificial to you. You know, when a, when a young teenage boy or even girl, our cultures have changed so much, goes out and says, if you love me, you'll do this. It doesn't work if you turn around and say, you know, if you, you, know, if you lust me, you'll do this. Because that's really what they're saying. When they're saying, I love you, and they're pushing them to barriers where they shouldn't be. But God gives us a model. Uh, they put it up on the screen here. Uh, and I want you to look at this. This is the covenant of God. I love this picture. Uh, someone sent it uh, in a post on Facebook. I, I grabbed it. And this is a picture of a young couple. I love premarital counseling. I love doing weddings, the excitement that takes place. Here are these young two people, perfectly both committed to Christ. Christ has led them to this time of, of marriage and commitment to one another. Uh, we've studied the scripture. They know the covenant that they're signing into. They know that they're going to leave their father and their mother. They're going to become one. Their marriage will represent Jesus Christ to their family and to their world. It's a beautiful picture. It doesn't end there. It ends a few decades later, a period of time later. There's a transformation that takes place in them, but not in their beliefs. We go from young and excited, remembering our vows, I promise to love you at all times, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health. They live it out for richer or poor. Anyone that's been married, I, uh, Ronnie and I have been married 58 years, so we can speak to this a bit. First 12 years, Christ was not in the picture. Christ came into the picture and transformed our lives. And, by the way, our, saved our marriage, to be honest with you. And, but we, we promised in Christ to live together after God's ordinances and the bonds of marriage, forsaking all others to keep yourself only unto her. And, to the other person. That's mentally, that's physically, that's emotionally, that's in all aspects. As long as we shall live. The goal is to finish the race together. Uh, no one gets in. Let's try this in six months. We'll, if we don't like it, we'll knock it. Well, they do that. They don't get married to do that. They do that just in our culture today. The Bible verse, let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely dear, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always with her love. There should be a love relationship that grows over time. And it should be visible to the kids, to those who know you. Uh, it should be something that is, is transparent. Because we're, we're modeling Christ's love. We're showing Christ's love to the world through our marriage. This is the reality that we seek. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you, which plan is better, God's plan or the world's plan? Is it better to, in a, in a sexual worldview uh, and sexual expression, how about the world's view of seeking to have as many sexual encounters and conquest as you can inside of your life? having as many affairs inside and outside of a marriage that you can have. 
Each time is union, leaving part of you behind and taking part of them, building up memories and thoughts and comparisons that you're going to live with in all of your relationships, uh, allowing that to take place, uh, risking, if you will, sexually transmitted disease, unwanted pregnancies, innocent lives taken by abortion, carrying the pain of emotional, mental, and, and physical damage uh, throughout life, uh, kids potentially suffering the, the pain of divorce. These are challenging questions. Is that what we want? That's what the world offers. Or do we want God's plan? A man and a woman joined together in the bonds of marriage, loving and serving each other in the good and in the bad. Count your sorry. That's what I want. That's my model. Now, those who reject Christianity, the haters of Christianity, they would even agree if put in front of them. What do you want your kids to do? Do you want them to follow the world model that you're advocating? Or do you, is this the picture that you want to offer? I think if... I think it's obvious. They may live in denial. They may reject. But they know the truth. Because the truth is obvious. What's important about marriage? God. God leading and guiding and putting a marriage together. Now, I, I have to acknowledge that, and, and because the Bible does, that not everyone was made for marriage. There are certain people that don't have a physical sexual desire to marry someone else. Uh, they, they live, there's a gift called celibacy. It's a gift that I don't know if many people have prayed for, uh, where you don't have any sexual desires at all. So you're able to control yourself. And in that case, Paul says, that's my gift. So I'm not going to get married. Uh, this other, you're firmly established in your heart. Uh, don't, don't worry about being married. Uh, but if you're behaving improperly, let him, let him marry. It's no sin to do that. But we, and I'm just going to say this because it's, it's part of the heartbreak of today. When a church goes against God's plan for men and women, and they take a group of people that serve in their churches and they say, don't marry, Re remain celibate uh, without regard to the spiritual gift. We've seen the damage, centuries of sexual abuse in that situation. And, and we're living with the pain of it today uh, inside of our culture. But God's plan, how do we get from the world to God? First is you got to know Jesus. This is our mission. This is our calling is to come to know Christ. We, we put these verses up all the time. As Jesus says, uh, if you want to follow him, take up your cross, lay that part of your life aside and follow him. If you try on, to hang on to anything, including your sexual expression, you can't follow Jesus Christ. You may gain something of the world, but you'll lose your soul. Christ calls us to commitment. Be crucified with Christ. All areas of our life laid down to Christ can live in us. And this, this word, and we're going to deal with this quite a bit next week, the, what everything I just told you about God's standard for sexuality, 
and sacrificing ourselves for someone else is foolishness in the eyes of the world who are, who are, who are bent on the idea that self-actualization, the seeking of pleasure, you live your best life now is the focus of life no matter who it hurts. There's a difference. We'll, we'll pick that up next week. Be a servant of Christ. By the way, we encourage this, this, this brochure that we have, Am I Heaven Ready? This was written for people like me who thought I was a Christian long before I was. So pick that up and find out in this particular area. Uh, if you pick up a brochure in the back or it's online and the website should be, it's on our church website. Please get that. Okay, now protecting the church and the name of Jesus Christ. First off, it's very simple. People in the church, church leadership should confront sin. When we see sexual sin taking place inside of the church, we should go one-on-one. -on -one. And this is not just me. This is just not church leaders. This is every person. If you've got someone in your family, if you've got a dear friend, if, if whatever it is, and you see something, the words are, help me understand, please. Go to them in love, inside of a relationship, and, and point out what you see as a problem. This is, side note on this, often if I see a couple interacting with each other, and sometimes, and you'll, you've all had it, you, the, the tension is palpable, you can see that their just attitude. Go to them and say, I'll go to them and I'll say, are you guys okay? Or one, two, one of them, I'll say, is everything okay? Being nosy? Yeah. But to help. And so uh, if you see something going on, uh, please talk to them. And then, then if that doesn't work, bring someone else. Talk to them. Don't let it just lay by the wayside. Uh, it in Corinthians, again, Corinth was a very sexual, uh, worldly, and it says, it's reported there's sexual immorality among you. Uh, there's a guy living with his mom, and the, Paul says, throw him out. It, lovingly, give him the right foot of fellowship. Ask him to step outside while they're going to be living in sin. And what's the result of that? Why would we do that? The next verse uh, is, is a clear example of why in this particular case uh, but he was asked to be removed. This is, this is Paul, first letter, first verse was 1 Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians. The person that they put out, he repented. He turned from his sin. So Paul writes, hey, he's repented. Bring him back. Bring him back into the church. Restore him. He falls into that category, those verses we had before. Such were some of you. And he comes back in. Uh, those who, you see someone wandering from the truth, go talk to them. That's the, inside the church. That's the church. That's part of my job, but it's just not me. It's everyone who's a Christ follower is to restore people. Last thing, critical. Critical in the eyes of the world. and should be critical to people at Crossroads. Protect the children. And, and, and this... This need to be able to do that is, is everywhere. Uh, if you receive a, a child, Jesus says, if you cause them to stumble, it, it, we're, you're going to go into the pit with a millstone around your neck. Not good. Now, as a church, we, we do everything we can. And oh, by the way, you're our eyes too here. But 
what we do is we, we have certain safety measures that we have in place, volunteers, anyone who works around children, any one of those. Uh, we're, we have signed up for a subscription called Protect My Ministry. If someone wants to serve in a capacity where they may be exposed to children, they're required to fill out paperwork, get a background check, send it to this organization, and they scrub through all the information that's available about them for protecting of the kids. Also upstairs, the, the Promised Land rules are that uh, so many people are here, both at our childcare and in the Promised Land. We have cameras everywhere. Uh, and we have windows on our rooms and all of this. It's important that we do that. We live in an age where there's no choice. One other area that we'll talk about more next week, the largest area where kids can be, you know, infected with immorality, I'm sorry, is the public school system. If you haven't read the Sierra Sands High School specifically uh, sexual education plan, you need to. I did. It's pornographic. They tell kids things and ways and ideas that are just so far out there. This is a... And Currently, most of you are aware of the K-3 uh, encouragement of sexual fluidity, gender fluidity, uh, trying to decide who you are while you're still young. Uh, this is brought on to kids that, that, that you know, they just want to eat cereal. And, and, you know, kids, are, it's not even on their agenda, and yet it's all being put in front of them. And the school has to honor whatever they feel like that day. Male, female, kitty cat, whatever you feel like, they have to address you. I'm serious. There was a litter box in the high school uh, at, in Ridgecrest. Uh, we've got wacko. Now, I encourage mostly, of course, uh, and I do it often, uh, look at educational op options, uh, homeschools. Uh, we've got material in the back on homeschools. We have uh, three of them meeting in the church now. Uh, we've got several of them outside the church. But if you want information, we've got a little brochure in the back uh, that'll do that. Uh, Jen is here, and she runs uh, she and, uh, run, a, run a Christian school, great school here. Uh, if you're interested in any of that, talk to them or just call the office. We'll set up an appointment. If you have questions, please let us help. If you decide for them to go to the public school, get your Jesus on. Have the talk. I don't mean a talk. I mean the talk. And have it a continuous, ongoing indoctrination. Because they're getting 16,000 hours of indoctrination in humanistic lifestyles and sexuality. Be consistent in your teaching. Teach them about evolution as a, as a bold-faced lie to avoid the Creator. Teach them uh, about moral absolutes. Talk to them about truth. The schools will tell them whatever they think is true is true for them. It's true. Everyone's got to reflect it. No. Jesus is the truth. Talk to them. Have those talks. I said this last night, and it's too fun not to mention. Uh, when I was young, somewhere around six or seven, I had to uh, made the mistake, there was a girl in the neighborhood, and we said, hey, you're different, I'm different, let's look and see. And uh, a couple of days later, her parents came in and asked my parents to talk to them. 
you know, talk to my parents. And so they went into another room. I knew I was in deep weeds. And so I just waited for the big marofa to fall and I got disciplined for it. My dad gave the talk. And I've said this before, if you've heard it. Uh, my dad took me out in the back porch and he said, Bill, because I knew he'd talked to these parents. Bill, boys and girls are different. Leave it alone. <laughs> that was the talk. Parents, do a little better than that. You know, sheesh. Uh, I could go on about this. We'll talk more along these lines as we go from uh, the options and, and the world of what I think is good input that was given to us. Next week, we'll go into the negative input because we're at war in a culture, and you and I are targets in that war. Uh, but let, let's, let's remind ourselves, by the way, uh, of, of the truth. This is God's standard. This is the truth. It's a blessed truth. If we follow, we walk in God's blessing. If we reject, we set ourselves against God. Follow God. We have on our website, by the way, uh, in this week's study guide, go look it up, is a an incredible list that Dion has put in there of websites and resources and information that you can use in this particular area. Join me in prayer, please. Lord, we, we stand thankful that because of your great love, you showed us a path to honor you in our sexuality, in our relationships with other people. Lord, thank you for the gift of marriage. Lord, thank you that you will lead and guide each marriage, each person into the relationship that you called them to. Give parents particular wisdom to protect their kids. Give us wisdom as a church to protect these dear, wonderful uh, creations that you entrust to us. Thanks that you will do that because we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming next week. Get the flip side of the coin and go from helpers to haters. Thanks for being here.